Warning, this podcast may contain strong language. Enjoy the show. Oh shit, put my pants back on. Wait. <laughs> Why, Why would I have <laughs> take my pants off where'd everybody go did we lose jim yeah who needs him he's off doing sonic the hedgehog 2 oh jim carrey well, no, was jim carrey's in it yeah oh i get it now hey everyone welcome to film fight a film analysis podcast where we take two movies with a similar story and see which one is better and why that is true <laughs> I never want to finish the sentence. That's the problem. Uh, I'm your host, Zach, and I'm here with my co-host, uh, television director and artist, Amber Hollinger. Sound hey, director. Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> I'm in the group. I always want to say hello when you talk to me. Oh, oh, I know. I'm like a steamroller when I get going. This is every beginning. Every show is started my, like this. It's because my the, third favorite part. excitement <laughs> is so strong within me to discuss uh, these films. All right, I'll shut up. Go on. I was going to give you uh, room to, you know, say. No, no, hello. Just hello. That's all I wanted to say. Good. Uh, Sound engineer, post-production guru, Steve Walter. Steve, would you like to say a couple of words before I move on? No. (laughs) And the last but not least, uh, marketing strategist extraordinaire. Hi. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jumping the gun. How is everybody? (laughs) The intro is the hardest part. Now we can actually talk like... Thank God we got that out of the way. I know. Wait, before we start, can I share a quick story from this weekend? (laughs) Sure. But by the way, for the listeners, we were all together. Is this part of that? Well, I was going to explain it for our five listeners and my my <laughs> parents that we were all together. I invited uh, Amber and Zach and Steve over for a barbecue. And later on that night, Steve gave us this really interesting piece of information regarding whale vomit and basically, which is used to make perfume and that it is very, very valuable, which I never knew. I had no clue about that whole thing. And he actually said, he also talked about someone that found this huge piece and it actually was in Thailand. I looked it up, 220 pounds of whale vomit, $3.3 million. Yes, but that's not the interesting part. The interesting part (laughs) is yesterday, I'm watching TV with my wife. I'm watching Blacklist. TV show starring James Spader. And um, he is actually at a perfume maker and mentions how amazing it is that whale vomit is worth more than its weight in gold and that it makes perfume smell so good. Wow. What, is the, what is are the odds of the so... next day a whale vomit mention on a TV show that I happened to watch? And <laughs> stuff like that's happened like that, but that's so specific. I turned to Leslie and I'm like, Steve just mentioned this last night. How often do you talk about whale vomit? Yeah. Never. And then it happens twice in two days. What did it look like? Did did you get to see what it looked like? Yeah, the whale vomit. Yeah. It was like a coagulated kind of waxy looking ball, basically. Is that what happens to whale vomit? I originally thought that it was whale sperm, but apparently that's not as valuable. (laughs) Yeah, he did say that too. My bad. I have to say, though, this is the kind of information that's usually exchanged at the Vistano barbecue, Mm -hmm. not like in the movie we saw where you get top secret information at a barbecue, like classified (laughs) high. Nice segue. (laughs) Maybe we should tell everybody what actually what movies we are talking about this week. That might be a good idea. Zach, why don't you tell us what we're doing this week? What's our marquee matchup? 
This is the killer asteroid pairing with two movies that came out within a month of each other, Armageddon and Deep Impact, which is just bizarre to think about. Okay, within two months of each other, sorry. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's, that's crazy. crazy. And I saw Armageddon in the theater at the time, and this is the first time I'd seen uh, Deep Impact, which uh, I regret. <laughs> <laughs> I think I as saw, usual, Jim was the only one who saw this movie in the theater. Yes, I saw Deep you Impact. You saw Deep in Impact the in the theater? I did. Wow. I told you it was in the 90s. That was my dating decade. Yeah, you, they, we'd see anything in the 90s. Yeah. Wait, Steve, any, you said everything. that you watched a 2009 Deep Impact. I did, and it was so good. Oh. <laughs> but this one had two Ps, I believe. Yeah, it was double P. Impact and strangely enough, they I cried at the end of both of them. It had two different reasons. <laughs> what was the 2009 version? It had a lot more nudity and close ups, and a lot more Wait, impact, you... lots of impact. Yeah, I, I get confused sometimes. I, I, I never quite know which one we're going to do, and I don't want to be unprepared. So I always watch any deep impact that came out around the last 15 years. I'm going to watch it. It's I like the one that's not rated, most likely. Yeah, you have to go behind a curtain mm -hmm. to get this version. <laughs> Well, I guess since we're only discussing the PG-13 rated ones for today. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's bit. talk about this. So for, we watched Armageddon separately, and then we watched Deep Impact as a group. Oh, guys, I was going to tell you, I wrote a theme song. I know Amber has some great music at the beginning of this that she's put together, and I had some time today. You want to hear it? Yes. Yeah. yes. I mean, it, you know, like I'm an audio guy, so I, I put a lot of work into this, and, and I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but I'm super proud of it. I think that's a great start. <laughs> it sound like aliens attacking. What are you talking about? Film fight, film fight, film for film fight. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I like what I think it's supposed to be. I love the Is idea. Is it supposed to be? Because that's good if it's that. That's what I was going for. That's what I was going for. It's cool. Cool, cool, cool. We can move on now. Took me all day. I saw Armageddon in the theaters uh, in 98, and I loved it then, and I loved it again when I watched it this time. Yes. Did not love show. Deep Impact no. at all. Steve, every episode, you always give your pick away within the first five minutes of the so podcast. So that's the show today. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, so all right. So <laughs> you know what Steve thinks. We're out of here. You were saying? I was saying uh, Armageddon, stats, breaking it down. Directed by Michael Bay. Most people have heard of him. He's a producer and a director. He has 16 moving credits, including the Transformers, all four of them. Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, The Rock, Pearl Harbor. Oh, I, I didn't like Pearl Harbor. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Pearl Harbor is terrible. It's notable for being terrible. It was yeah. way too long. The only part that you want to see is the part that was the shortest bit in the movie, which was the attack. It was terrible. The Rock is good, though. Terrible. The Rock is great. Really great. Like and I actually like the Transformers movies. I know, Zach, we had a conversation about this. I I actually like the Transformer movies and I actually like Michael Bay as a director. It's a good popcorn movie. Well, You're not going to learn anything. 
it's good summer blockbuster movie type right. watching. You go in with that expectation. And oh, that's well, it. okay. So Zach and I are more of the uh, discerning Michael yeah, Bay movie perhaps. fandom, and you guys are maybe not. Like a thinking, a thinking film. Hmm. Yeah, I don't want to think ever. That's why I made that theme song. That's right. I, I just want a movie that makes sense. That's all. But this that's movie cool. did make sense. I have to say, this is probably my favorite Michael Bay movie, and then The Rock follows it. Well, I thought that it lived up for the most part to my memories of it. I've become much more cynical and, you know, just ir easily irritated in my old age. So there were things that bugged me about it now. I watched it after Deep Impact with you guys. So compared to that, it was, I mean, not to give my pick away as well. It was a nice change of pace in that sense. <laughs> the characters were fun in Good casting. Armageddon. And there, it was a fun cast. They had fun in the movie, it looks like. So well, let's talk I about the helped. cast. Let's talk about the writers. Armageddon stars Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, Will Patton. There's several Oscar-nominated actors in that cast. It's mega. It's an interesting combo. Eddie Griffin's in it, you know, just like this weird amalgam of actors. Zach, your favorite writer of all time helped pen Armageddon. We got J.J. Abrams right. in there. Jonathan One Hasley. of nine writers by the way. Wow. There were three that were highlighted, Jonathan Hensley, uh, J.P. Abrams, and Tony Gilroy, and they all have several movie credits, tons of TV credits. Oh. Jonathan had written The Punisher and Jumanji, and I can't, well, Die Hard with the Vengeance wasn't fantastic, and Tony Gilroy wrote one Star Wars story, which most people love, yes. Born Identity, the all the Born series. He wrote The Cutting Edge, which was one of my favorite 90s movies. Topic. But to be fair, it was originally written by Robert Roy Poole, who had also written uh, Outbreak. And then it was adapted by Jonathan Hensley, who also wrote Jumanji and Die Hard with a Vengeance. And after those two, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer brought on all the rewrite guys. It was actually a big deal because Jonathan Hensley had helped write The Rock and didn't get any screen credit. And so Michael Bay actually called up the studio, I guess, and kind of fought for him to get screen credit on this one. So... Say what you will about Michael Bay. That was pretty cool. I don't know. I didn't say anything bad. I like this movie. So. Oh, I hate Michael Bay. I, I was <laughs> How do you really feel about him? You know, I was reading that Michael Bay, he thinks this is his worst film of all of his films. He doesn't, he, he said he apologizes for this one the most. Shocking. crazy to me. That's like Zach said, I mean, shocking. I mean, I put this one in, as far as Michael Bay movies go, in my opinion, one of the best Michael Bay movies. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Thousand percent. So the interesting what, we don't know what went on behind the scenes. Evidently it was a Rocky shoot, you know, like Bruce Willis had his own trailer with his own gym. He wasn't really hanging out with the rest of the cast. Ben Affleck didn't understand the premise. I mean, <laughs> really? Well, yeah, he, asked, awesome. he, said, he said, wouldn't it, this is a quote. He asked him, wouldn't it be easier if NASA to train astronauts how to drill rather than bring drillers to be astronauts? And basically Michael Bay just told him to shut up. That's right. Ben Affleck like, thinking. Well, you'd be like, dude, Ben, then there's no movie. Yeah. You know what? You know what? <laughs> you know what he also did to Ben Affleck? He didn't like his teeth. So he got all Ben Affleck's teeth replaced for 20 grand. What did he replace him with? His teeth look he liked, like veneers. <laughs> Wait, oh, like, like his physical teeth? His physical teeth. He said he looked like he had baby teeth. So he, he replaced all of his teeth 20 grand. It took him like, I think it was eight days. It was like, it said wow. eight hours a day yeah. for a whole week. Oh my God. Now I want to star in a Michael Bay movie so I yeah, can get, get my teeth, teeth done. Veneers are expensive. Yeah, 20 grand, I guess. 
uh, has Michael Bay ever been nominated for an Oscar before? Because his film was nominated for four Oscars and has 15 other nominations and wins. But all for technical stuff. All tech. I mean, I think there was a couple of Razzies in there as well. But the, the wins, weren't they all for technical? Best sound and effects and effects editing, the song, which was really cool. I think everybody in our age range that saw this knew the, the correlation between Liv Tyler starring sure. and Aerosmith singing uh, Don't Want to Miss a Thing, which was I also- didn't quite understand was a daddy daughter song i thought it was a love song and yeah. steven tyler was that. like no that's that's my song about my love for my little girl I'm like, but he didn't write it steven tyler didn't write that song no it's a diane warren song oh, but steven no. tyler claims that that song is about a father's love for a daughter oh it could totally be i don't know it was very you know it's open to interpretation but i didn't think that when i was listening to the song mostly because oh, yeah. they were playing it over the like the animal cracker scene and <laughs> well yeah why would you not want to fall asleep to watch your daughter sleep it I makes think so much he was more- referring to when she was a little baby and you just don't want to miss anything when little babies are asleep. You do as a parent, you watch them in the crib, but you don't want to take your eyes off them for a moment because what are they going to do? You don't know. Nothing. They do nothing. I'll tell you that. They just <laughs> lay in the crib. Sometimes they wake up and cry and that's it. It was interesting watching the movie. Like, you know, when Armageddon came out, that was a brand new song. Now we've heard it to death. And so like when it came on in the big scene with the animal cracker and everything, and it's like blaring, it was just like, oh my God, turn this song off. <laughs> Hold on a I second. Since we're, since, we're talking, okay, since we're talking about that scene, can we can we just discuss that scene for there's for guys that haven't, <laughs> and girls that haven't seen it. Before the astronauts are about to go on the mission to blow up the rock, there's a moment where they all get to go and have one night free and uh, Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler's character spend it underneath some tree with some Christmas lights on it and he decides to play with an animal cracker when he's got Liv Tyler right in front of him and he says to her what does he say something about should the he's talking like a Australian guy and he said should I go north or should I go south and I think we can all agree that he should have gone east no, I, get, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't know how to make love to a woman. I'm sorry. Which place did he have gone? Especially with an animal cracker. An animal cracker goes east? No. South? North. I don't know, guys. He did tuck it. He tucked it into her what? Her undergarment. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have thought. He definitely, went, he definitely went south. Yeah. He went south. Okay, south is the way to go, though. You can tell because I need to write that down in case I'm ever with a woman. I need to understand. I that. would, I would, you know, like that whole relationship. Like it was fine, but it was there was too much focus on it. I feel like a lot of that stuff could have been cut out for me personally. You know, I that actually hate didn't romance. Mind it. Like I had to just strong yeah. arm him into pretty woman. One bit. Do you want to? Do you want to hear another fun fact <laughs> that I read about this? Is that that all those scenes Michael Bay did tell Ben Affleck all these scenes can be cut because they're not that much into the story but he saw Michael Bay saw Titanic and that was such a huge the love story was such a huge part of that that they wanted to put that into the movie and that's also though kind of creepy Liv Tyler and not the only reason I liked it too but that was one of the reasons it stayed just because of Titanic Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are distantly related to each other I thought that Bruce Willis's best friend was Ben Affleck's dad. And so when Ben Affleck's dad died, he sort of raised Ben Affleck as a son, but they weren't related. That's the way I No, no, I'm talking about in real life. Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck are related to each other. I was wondering what you were talking about, Steve. In (laughs) real life. Are you serious? Yes, they're descendants from like an English... Baldwin family, not to be confused with Alec Baldwin and all Billy and all those Baldwins. There is only one Baldwin family and they are all American. (laughs) 
So it's kind of weird, huh? That's that is weird. I didn't know that they were, they kind of look alike, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I would have eaten that animal cracker because I was a fat kid. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know what? Never mind. Head. You know, never mind. There's a whole bag of cookies right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the romance. Actually, I kind of liked the sort of stress that it brought to Bruce Willis, and that he was sort of having to make a decision throughout the film as to how he was going to react to his daughter being with this guy who I think deep down inside he knew was a good guy, but he didn't want his daughter to be with a roughneck. And he prepared to kill him, literally. I think he was just, he was just sort he of goofing around. Aiming off to the side? I don't know, man. He was, was just Josh dangerous. shooting him. He wasn't really going to shoot him. Oh. Yeah, that's just, that's just good times. You know, you're from Texas. You're from Texas, Zach. Everybody gets shot with buckshot every once in a while. It's just sure. part of growing up. Sure, but I mean... Not on an oil rig. That's I know. Oh, yeah, that's bad. That's OSHA's going to come to him for that one for sure. That's right. We haven't talked at all about deep impact stats. And these movies, like Zach said, released both in 1998, just a few months from each other. Holy McMoley. I was so excited that this had a female director. Steven Spielberg had produced this. I was expecting something absolutely fantastic. And even though Mimi Ledger, who is leader, Mimi Leader, only has six movie credits, she has a crazy amount of TV credits for directing The Morning Show, The Leftovers, Shameless, Nashville, ER. Gosh darn it. I want to be this person. China Beach. Except for this movie. I want to be this woman. <laughs> I wonder if because she directed ER that she just brought over the entire cast of VR. Yes. When we were all watching this together, we remarked how many times we saw somebody from or ER. No, no, Grey's Anatomy. It was like both. It was all medical dramas, basically. It was, right. no, it was a bunch of people from Grey's Anatomy, like Isaiah Washington. Oh, right. The redhead. The other person <laughs> who's forgettable. have a bad cast. Robert Duvall, Taya Leone, Elijah Wood, Morgan Freeman. Well, but I mean, let's be honest. Taya Leone, I mean, who knows what the, the set was like, but from what we see on screen, she was one of the worst parts in the film. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to pick one worst thing, but she might be close to the worst. That was like, really we, wasn't great. Casting. She looks like she's on the verge of tears throughout the film and not because of what's going on. She just looks like she's in a therapy session and possibly about to cry. I was Maybe on the verge of tears the whole time movie. as well. <laughs> I think we all were watching this film. We were, we were half an hour into this film thinking, what is this about? Like the, in, the opening was so interesting because it was all stuff that never really came back to matter. Yeah. I didn't even get the very beginning when the kids were looking up at the stars and everything and the comet and they're the ones who saw it and they didn't really explain that at the very beginning. And then yeah. all of a sudden we find out, oh, it's named after him because, oh, oh yeah, that's right. He was the one who found it. Well, I was going <laughs> to say, there's so many things in the film that like aren't set up and you just suddenly realize that there are stakes or something going on. Like when they're, you know, on the asteroid or whatever, trying to blow it up, it's like there's suddenly within this action scene and it was so poorly set up you can't care or really even understand what's going on it was just weird right whereas well, Armageddon they, they told you exactly what they needed to do they need to drill 800 feet down they have to keep going it kept the, the the drill bits kept breaking and they're still trying to do stuff and there's a reason for all this stuff for the one deep impact you're like um how far down you have to drill do you know did you even know well they set up the whole ELE thing like the first half an hour is a mystery <laughs> about what ELE is yeah I think it's a mistress. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Ellie, the mistress. They made, they made it seem like it was going to be some sort of political drama. And, and I'm thinking like, where's the asteroid? And why are we like deep throat kind of Watergate crap? And it didn't make any sense. And I'm, I'm thinking, where's the asteroid? It was... <laughs> 
At well, least 30, 45 minutes into the movie before we even knew it was a threat. And then it was, the thing about Armageddon that was cool is it all happened right here, right now. It was like 18 days. All right. Yeah. There was no and sense of urgency it was like in deep 17 impact. years it's going to hit. What? In or whatever. deep impact, two years they knew about this asteroid. Two no years. And then at the point years. they found yeah. out that there was an asteroid about to kill them, they had another year to prepare for it. Yeah. And then they had another six months after that to try to get to the asteroid. It, yeah. It there just was no sense of urgency. And one big difference was in Armageddon, they actually make a point to say, hey, we can't let the public know about this. It would be mass hysteria, this right. and this and this. Deep Impact, they're like, hey, world, we've got, you know, very short amount of time to live. And everyone's just like, oh, oh my, okay. He even makes a point, the president, to say, pay your bills, yeah. go back to work. Yeah. Everybody. Just pretend so, like nothing's happening. Just everything, Are you yeah. kidding me? But by the way, nothing's the world going on over here. Everything's yeah, Costco fine. would be a bloodbath. Sam's would be a disaster, like in a biblical proportions, in a matter of seconds from finding that out. The world would have ended right after that announcement. And there would be <laughs> no toilet paper anywhere. That's right. <laughs> Well, and also they make, they've had this plan to move a million people underground for two years while the smoke clears. In Armageddon, they point out that it would actually take about a thousand years yeah. for the smoke to clear. But Deep Impact, only about two. Yeah. It's, there's yeah. a big, sure. there's, bigger, there's, a big, there's an air filter, I guess, in yeah, our world. Bigger, in, bigger in Deep fans. It's going to clear everything out. They had a Much lot of insure. <laughs> they, <laughs> yeah. they made sure that product placement was all over the place. There were a lot of similarities between these two movies, which running concurrently, it was a little bit like we were talking about Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. It is hard for you to believe that nobody leaked any kind of information because there were so many things that were very specifically similar. Both were about asteroids or comets heading for the Earth and threatening basically the extinction of the human race. And both had a team of astronauts that needed to launch and land on an asteroid and specifically drill 800 feet down. Both drilling teams got stuck at 75 feet and couldn't complete the drill and then ended up having to result in human sacrifice to save the rest of humanity. Both had a huge extensive cast. Both had a love story between a couple and a love story between a father and daughter. Wait, who was the love story between a couple in Deep Impact? Was it Elijah I, Wood and yeah. what's her yeah, name? Yeah, it was Elijah Wood and uh, Lily Sobieski. And I was going to say, Elijah Wood had first billing on IMDb for starring in this movie. And was this movie about him? I'm not sure that that is how it translates from the film onto IMDb because like I was an extra on a short film once and I am I got first billing on the short film. I didn't have any lines. Because so you were the best part, part of it. <laughs> could be. So I, why weren't you an extra in this movie? You could have elevated it. Oh man, totally. <laughs> you know, there were so many like of these threads in it that didn't really seem super cohesive. Like, you know, the whole thing with Lily Sobieski and Elijah Wood is brought up towards the beginning and then we go off without them for an hour or so and then he comes back and it's just hard to I care about. I had no idea who this movie was about, like whose POV or the story. And I, I think they wanted to do like a Love Actually or New Year's Eve kind of thing oh, where they were telling this, all these different little pockets of stories and somehow they all tied together. I think that's what they were trying to go for. But provide a little backstory? Sure. So the producers of Deep Impact, they had originally wanted to make a remake of a 50s film called When Worlds Collide. And they were wanting to get Steven Spielberg involved, but he had already bought the rights to an Arthur C. Clarke novel called The Hammer of God, which is a similar idea. But anyway, eventually, partly because 
because uh, they heard that Armageddon was also being filmed, combined their scripts, When Worlds Collide and Hammer of God, into one project, but it was rewritten by somebody else, so neither of the source materials got screen credit, and Arthur C. Clarke was very upset. Wow. I don't know. I wouldn't want credit for this. No, I agree. <laughs> he, he dodged a bullet. He dodged an asteroid. So <laughs> <Yeah. it's> <laughs> <laughs> I did read that they did have some contentious press while they were being filmed, both Deep Impact and Armageddon. And I guess Michael Bay insulted Paramount's project by comparing Tay Leone's star power to Bruce Willis's. Evidently, that oh. irritated her really bad. That's what she was and, thinking um, about during filming. Probably. So when uh, it says Deep Impact opened strongly at the box office, Paramount pointed out all the problems that their rival film was having, leading to Bruce Willis accidentally revealing that his film was doing reshoots while the other movie had already premiered. Wow. Oh, but apparently it was largely done for marketing to differentiate Armageddon in the commercials from Deep Impact. Right. Which is what I wrote. Uh, Who knows what's accurate anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows I think it's funny, you know, when Hollywood, these things have happened in the past where there's these two movies coming out at the same time and they have to sort of pretend but not pretend that they're both happening. And but obviously- so different. The goal of the films was so different. I mean, yeah. like there were yes. issues I had with Armageddon, but beginning to end, you understand what's going on. Deep Impact, it seems like they, they wanted to have like sort of a social commentary, but didn't really know how to do it. There were all these humanistic kind of questions questions, I guess, but weren't yeah. ever really elaborated on or... What about the part where in Deep Impact, at, towards the end of the movie, people started like freaking out, obviously, and they were bringing the certain select few people via military transport to the bunker. And Elijah Wood's character, he's chosen because for whatever reason, he found the comet. You'd think they would punish him. him. Uh, but so <laughs> anyway, his family get to get a free pass and Lila Sobieski's family, for some reason, thinks that they get to go too because they're close or something. And well, they he, he, he said he made a deal with oh, right. he, he said That's he made right. a deal and they said well, yes nope. he can go but obviously they didn't put their name on the list then he winds up marrying Lila Sobieski thinking that that will allow the family to come and then they say no and Lila Sobieski's family is like you know get on the bus and she's like I don't want to leave I don't want to leave I don't want to leave and it's this huge deal and then later on Elijah Wood goes back to save her and the parents are like bye have fun. The script says like, you can leave now. Well, they wanted to let them know that they've always loved them. Oh, that's right. I've yeah. always loved you. I've really? always what a weird what? Phrase. Yeah. Not what? I love you or I will always love you. I have no. always loved you. No, I've I have I have you. always loved you. Just FYI. You're my daughter. I have always it. loved you. It was just so mother weird. Daughter. Mother I just don't I don't understand. Now. The biggest difference for me was pacing and clarity. We had all commented it was probably 45 minutes into deep impact, and we all went, you know what, five minutes into Armageddon, we were in that story. We knew exactly what was going on. We knew the stakes were high, time was short, and we had to figure out a plan. In this movie, I don't know why we had to go through over an hour of red herrings before we actually got to the most interesting part of the story. How unexpected for me in a plot line that the government knew about this for two years, had been planning, and now they've got this underground bunker, like you said, they could only have a million people. Holy shit. The possibilities there story-wise are endless. Now you get into really like humanistic questions of how do people react when they know they're going to die? Government, like government being all power and keeping secrets and, and choosing who lives and who dies. So many different threads you could explore here. And they're like, yeah, 
we're just going to have Tia Leone wear this blue blouse and go and talk to, I don't know, this random woman, her mom, her talk to her dad, dad's new girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. We'll have her talk to her newsroom. We'll have her talk to, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't even know Tia Leone's character's name was Jenny until I was researching it. I'm like, wait, I knew nothing about this woman really, except that she was always on the brink of breaking down. And yeah, then she became the only news anchor in existence, apparently. Yes. Yeah. And she, I, you know, they try, to do, they try to do too much. I think I, to your point, Amber, I think there's all these different storylines that are really good, but in a movie, there's no way. If this was like a series, then you can explore all these things and get all these emotions and these human stuff. And it's a two-year process. You get that. But in a movie, it's, it didn't make any sense. Absolutely. Well, you could do a love actually, four weddings and a funeral. There are a thousand ways you could do this accurately. They just didn't choose any yeah. of those paths. I mean, look how we start. We start with a NASA scientist who is pen pals with the president of the astronomy club at some high school, who's Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood and his girlfriend, kind of Lily Subieski, they don't even know they're flirting. They're not even boyfriend and girlfriend, but they do get married later. We follow Lily Sobieski's mom, who's pregnant, her family, Tia and her mom, Tia and some woman in the news, Tia and her cameraman, who may or may not get lines in the movie. We waited for the whole time and took bets on whether he was going to get lines or no lines. Tia and her dad and her dad's new wife, a guy that's maybe quite in Congress, but quit Congress because he was going to the asteroid, but she thought he was having an affair, which led her to talk to the president, her relationship with the president. And then halfway through the movie, we meet a crew of astronauts with John Favreau and Robert Duvall and some guy who had a pregnant wife that when he left to go into space had the baby and then also some guy who had a family that wears that everybody flies in polo shirts and then oh, <laughs> yeah, they anything about anybody <laughs> they were in a bar and they were like Robert Duvall's character was trying to ingratiate himself with the young up-and-coming pilots because he's an old they uh, because he's been on the moon a few times and they're like ah oh, we don't need you old man and he's like but I've already done it Sonny and it was that whole thing and then <laughs> The next cut, they're taking off in the shuttle and they all have on like golf polos and cargo pants and it didn't make any sense. And then like the next scene, they're suddenly in like official like NASA shirts and that was yeah. weird. I don't know. You can't take off in a, in a space shuttle wearing polos and cargo shorts and flip-flops. I'm pretty sure I know like, that. It was costuming or research by that. They were just exhausted by the research that they had to do for Tia Leone's character. And they were just like, you know what? I don't know what the fuck people wear in astronauts. Let's just go straight from the barbecue <laughs> where we're telling all of NASA's secrets to a seven-year-old. So you know how in Armageddon, <laughs> Armageddon, it's top secret. They have to go and fly and get Bruce Willis and his daughter and bring him back and it's high class confidentiality. Okay, this is what's going on. It's super, super serious. Here, they're just like, let's meet these astronauts for two minutes and then put them at the barbecue and they're telling all of NASA's secrets to a seven-year-old in a barbecue. That's how our audience finds out what we're supposed to be writing. doing. And then we're like, oh yeah, they're doing the exact same thing that Armageddon had to do. You know, what's interesting is that NASA shows Armageddon to its new hires, like all the people that come in, and they have to like spot everything that's wrong with it. And I think the number is up to 168 improper things that they do. Incorrect things. <laughs> Incorrectly. But you know what? I don't care about that. As long as your story makes sense I heard that and was exciting, is motion, emotionally engaging. And the one thing that I really enjoyed about Armageddon is even though it's fantastical and obviously these are hyperbolic situations, 
I really enjoyed all of the characters. This was before Michael Clark Duncan. This is his first big role. He hadn't had a yeah. big role before this. So this was before he was an Oscar nominee. And Steve Buscemi, come on. He, I don't even know if Steve great. wanted to do this movie. I think he said he wanted a bigger house. That's why he did Armageddon. <laughs> That's what it he says. He was also duped into it, though. He was tired of playing a scumbag. And they were going to have him be like a hero. And he was You're playing stoked. Bruce Willis. A scientist. <laughs> and then they switched it on him. He's like, ah, well, fuck, I need a house. Well, like, that's lame. They duped him. But he was so great in this. But, yeah, so you got it. I mean, all the actors, I thought Will Patton was great. Isn't it uh, Peter Stormer? Didn't he play the uh, the Russian Peter guy? Peter Stormer was great. Like, He's he was awesome. the highlight of the movie for me. And I mean, I remember Absolutely. liking him the first time, but I didn't know who he was the first time I saw it. Now I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff. I thought he was fantastic. He's fantastic. And when he was pounding on the engine piece or whatever to get the thrusters to move, he's like just smashing the thruster thing, saying, and it "Oh, it was because on. the, the <laughs> it was because the girl couldn't do it. That was the only part that kind of upset me. I was like, now come on, that's a bit sexist. Like the girl was down there doing a science thing, and then he comes over and is like, in Russia we do it like this, and he just hit the machine with a stick, and it turned on. Like, mm. well, Michael Bay movies do have a good dose of sexism." So no, no, no. Say it ain't so, Zach. Mm. I, I know. I hate, but we're all about facts here on this podcast. Well, all I know is it felt like a world of evolution from all the 80s movies that we were watching where everybody was just naked yeah. <laughs> and getting thrown around. <laughs> well, I will say as much as, you know, Michael Bay is known for just a bunch of nonsense action stuff, talking about setup for the film and everything, it does start off with a believable action introduction, you know, like the asteroid isn't here yet, but there's all this sort of space dust blowing stuff up and attacking people. And it's like, compared to Deep Impact, it's like, okay, there's stuff going on. Five minutes in, cars were blowing up, people were getting hit by asteroids, it was awesome. And did you guys notice the asteroid in Deep Impact had no personality whatsoever? It was just (laughs) a big- It was like a glowing light. It was just a glowing rock and no personality. But the asteroid in Armageddon was evil. It growled at people. It, it had its own voice. It was that part I had forgotten about, but it actually has its own voice and its own soundscape. So when they land and it growls, the rock growled. I mean, that's like a way to make an inanimate object a villain because basically that's what they had to do. There was no bad guy. Bad guy was the rock. That part of it was really cool. Whereas the rock in Deep Impact, you know. It was almost, you re- we actually said it was like kind of erythral. Like it was this beautiful glowing blue. Very pretty. Like fairy kind of beautiful, soft Very light brown. kind of thing. Impact, yeah. They're where... on and off in like 10 minutes. They don't spend that much. They're off at the end of the film. And then we're like, it's got another hour and 15 minutes left. Yeah, they landed on a flying rock that was the size of New York that was spinning like it was no problem. Meanwhile, the in Armageddon, it was impossible. The, they lost a ship. That's what would happen. It, it was just... It yeah. felt like there were no stakes in Deep Impact. There's no urgency. Nobody was panicked until the very end. In Armageddon, they elevated the stakes at every corner. And instead of taking the path of an ensemble cast and trying to tell the story from seven different people's perspective, they really just told everything through the triangle of Bruce Willis and Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck's characters, which was great because it made it personal. It made it a little bit easier to digest, even with a huge ensemble cast. 
Right. It really was better. And Deep Impact was boring. It was yeah. just boring. Well, once once they got on the asteroid in Armageddon, I thought it got a little bit long. Like you could have taken maybe 20 minutes off. I kind of zoned out there for a bit, but you know, overall it's a lot better for sure. Well, yeah, Armageddon it's... was two and a half hours and Deep Impact was two hours flat. But Deep Impact felt... It felt longer than Wyatt Earp. And I think at one point I put in my notes, I'd rather be watching Wyatt Earp. And that's saying, <laughs> that, that's, that's crazy because I, I knew that Armageddon was two and a half hours going in, but I would have sworn that Deep Impact was three hours. Well, Steve, tell him what you felt. put on your notepad for Deep Impact. Oh, you know, what's interesting is I wrote uh, another song <laughs> for my, uh, I have a new segment. <laughs> That's it's called it's called Steve's Notes. Listen, it's really good. It's nothing like the other one. It's another song I wrote for, for this segment that I'm going to call Steve's Notes. And here's the song. So I spent a lot of time working on these songs today, you guys, and I'm really proud of them. It's kind of a reprise from the theme. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, they're, well, I guess so. I don't, I mean, I thought they're completely different, Zach. They're I'm not so sure. different. <laughs> they're so different. Okay. So, my notes for Deep Impact say I'm bored, Black Prez, PS sucks, story, and then a bunch of Z's like snores, and then boo. We'll have to get a page up where we can show visuals of the pictures of things that we've been doing during this podcast. I actually took a photo of Steve's notes afterward. <laughs> Jim gave up. There were no notes. It was my leftover notes. What are you, what are you doing? Do my outro. Gosh, Amber. Someone please take that speaker away from Steve. <laughs> Hold on. I have to read my notes from Armageddon. It's hard to produce a podcast. And um, I, I take great pride in my notes. It says Armageddon. Five minutes in, we're full steam ahead. Asteroid growls. Bruce is perfect. Love a good montage. Nonstop. Peter Stormier, brilliant. And space dementia, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that's enough of that shit. I, I would say this was the last, like, this was the end of uh, likable Bruce Willis. I mean, then, then he did uh, Sixth Sense and became, went on his sort of comeback tour, and it was revealed that he's an asshole. Oh, no. Wait, what are you talking about? I love Bruce oh, Willis. He's very difficult to work. He's, he's known for being difficult, no? Bruce is perfect. I have it in my notes. It's this right is, after yeah. Asteroid Growls. <laughs> so it must be true. I don't, know if I don't want to in... know he's an asshole. Please don't tell me that. I love Bruce Willis. Uh, there was a, an article in Variety, and they listed the number one female and male most difficult celebrities to work with. Oh, well, let me guess. 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 Oh. Is now, number one Bruce Willis? 2007. Is number one Bruce Willis? It was not. Okay. Okay. 2007. Number one Wait, worst. Men or women? Both. It, there was one for each. Okay. I'm going to go with 2007. That was... Oh, Jesus. Okay, Matt. Uh, can we finish this segment? It's going to be 2022. No. 13 minus 12 is... Zach, just, Denzel just Zach, Washington just tell and, us. Denzel Washington <laughs> and Bette Midler. Vince Vaughn and Sharon Stone. That was Vaughn. close. Really? Difficult? So close. Apparently. Mm. Wow. You sure it wasn't Bette Midler? Yes, that was uh, <laughs> in the Diva. 80s. Everybody knows your personal vendetta with Bette. Just get over it. I can't. She did beaches. Made me cry. Speaking of which... I have seen Armageddon several times and I always cry at the end. I hate it. It is such manipulation and I fall for it every time. It's the music, man. The music, yeah. like it's so well done. Like I, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. I don't even like Bruce Willis anymore. I was all well done. <laughs>
couldn't I love it. Bruce Willis and I was crying a lot. I mean, Liv's eyes are like pools of water. You're drowning in her eyes of sorrow. It's incredible. And he finally trusts Ben Affleck. He's finally letting him, he, he tried to murder him at the beginning of the film. Uh, now he's letting him go. He, he was, was joking. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I was crying at the end of Deep Impact, but uh, because it was over and I was so happy. <laughs> Tears of joy. Tears of joy, yes. About an hour in, I was rooting for the asteroid in Deep Impact. Yeah. Me too. The best no, part of Deep Impact for me was when it killed Tay Leone at the end. That, yeah. Well, that tidal wave was pretty cool. It was the best oh, part. It, so, be, it gave yeah. me nightmares, but Well, it was that's great. my dream almost every other night is a big tidal wave. So. Me too. Jim and I have that, a that the coolest part tsunami of the movie. nightmare. Yeah, we can agree that that was the best part. That 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 those special effects were pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah the, Steve, everything. on the second page of your notes, it said Taylioni dies plus two. Is that true? <laughs> oh, I must have left that part. Hold on, do I need to play the song again? <laughs> no. Okay. I think at one point you had said it was the Godfather of all asteroid movies, but I had checked out by then. I did not. But that's because Robert Duvall was in. Robert, it. yeah, he was just the connection. <laughs> I think he said never, there was a person from The Godfather in this movie. That, 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 that was, thank you, Jim. I did not compare <laughs> a Deep Impact to, it was the Godfather of all uh, asteroid films, maybe. And then it was long. Very interesting in my research about these two films. Now I'll tell you first, Deep Impact has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 45%. Okay. Okay. What do you think Armageddon has? It's got to be at least 75, right? Want to know? Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> Ooh, Jim, what do you think? 38. Is it worse? It's worse. It's worse than Deep what? Impact. Now, but the okay, audience, so the audience score is very high. Yeah. Okay. But critic score, I was blown away. Not only that it was lower, but that Deep Impact would get close to 50. What the That's hell? It's insane. How much did Armageddon cost? Well, uh, I can get into the, I can, I'm gonna get into the numbers. I can get into the yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into that. Okay. Guys, I'm curious. I feel like Armageddon cost a fortune, like uh, probably 50 million more. I don't know because I'm not looking, but I'm thinking that Armageddon cost at least 50 million more based on nothing. Just yeah. my own personal just, nothing. Yeah, wow. Do you want so to keep guessing or do you want me to tell you? Because you can keep 50, guessing 50 if million, you want. We can just yeah. hang out here and you can guess. Tell me. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, the budget for Armageddon was $140 million. The again, opening weekend, which was July 5th of 1998, their opening gross was 36 million for US. Wait, 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 wait. Respectable. So it cost 140 million to make in the opening weekend. It only made 30? 36. But wow. the total US gross was 201 million. Oh, okay. Movies were in theaters fun. longer back then. Yeah, that's right. The worldwide gross was 554 million. So oh, they did, you know, they did great. It was definitely went way above. And then the runtime was 151 minutes. Like we talked about two and a half hours. Deep Impact, the budget was 75 million. Oh, I was right. Um, it opened in May of 1998. And you were right. You said 50 million. You said, well, you said 50 million. said it was going to be 50 million more, right? Uh, it more was than 65 million more. It oh. seemed like I mean, the budget I, for Deep Impact was 12 cents. So. Minus the tidal wave. Everything yeah, else looked no. like piece of crap. This is going to blow your mind though. So for Deep Impact, now Deep Impact came out first because it came out in May of 1998. The opening weekend gross was 41 million compared mm -hmm. to Armageddon, which was 36 million. So they made more in their opening weekend than Armageddon did. But it couldn't have made more overall. Right? Yeah, what total was gross, overall? The total US gross was 140 million and the worldwide gross was 350 million. 
So no, less definitely. It still less. did okay though. I mean, no, it didn't do bad. It, so it, it came out first. It came out first, and it was you know I think it was billed as like this in the world movie, you know, and people kind of enjoyed it. And I also right. noticed in my research that I think Mimi Leader was kind of a last like we got to start filming this now, and so she was kind of thrown in. And not that she's not been talented in other projects, but man, this was just a. Although we had just recently as a director. You're only as good as your writing and what you're given. You can't rewrite everything yourself. You're not allowed to. So you really have to just do the best with what you have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to go down to the reviews? You want to start reading? Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Did you, Metacritic? I want to touch on one thing sure. that was part of Steve Notes, but we had all commented on in Deep Impact, which was seeing Morgan Freeman as the president of the United States. All of us were like, yeah, we so supported that choice of having a black president. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. not only a black president, but he had tattoos, which were shown. Morgan Freeman had wanted the his character to have an ear piercing and the director Is said, and no. What I thought was really terrible <laughs> though. Crazy Morgan. I know. You're lucky that you even uh, got yeah, that was cool. Morgan. So. <laughs> They were not supportive of this idea originally of having a Black president. They didn't think it was going to be believable, which is super, super insulting, I think, because just a few years later, Barack Obama was elected. Well, and also kinda, then just in crappy. 2001, Dennis Eastbrook played a Black president in 24. That's right. Studios, yeah, in 24, there was a Black president. That's right. Yeah, but the, in this movie, the studios pushed back and they didn't think that it would be believable. So that's kind of crappy. Morgan Freeman had played God in another movie. They weren't. Like, Morgan Freeman is God. Than... <laughs> I don't know if you God. got that. <laughs> like, he can't play the president, but he can play God. That's okay. <laughs> Not crappy, though. Isn't that weird? Darn it, this like movie's got to be believable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we can go on to Metacritic, but I had to bring that Wait up. Wait a minute. That's... Wait, you guys. You guys. I wrote a song for a Metacritic. Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. Hold on. Listen. Listen. It's a way. It's, so, it's, not, it's nothing like the other one, I promise you. <laughs> That's right. Time for Jim to read some Metacritics. Um, I'm going to start with the real critics first, like I usually do, because we want to get see what real people, the professionals have said. For Armageddon, Dwayne Burge from The Hollywood Reporter said, just because you're big does not mean you're brainy. This smart, polished entertainment crushes the notion of the FX disaster film run only on low octane dialogue, low common denominator narrative, and the lowest instinct of tie-in marketers. So basically, he's just saying he doesn't think this is very... Oh, I'm sorry, for Armageddon. I mean, I would he's not so far off. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's it's good. It's better than Deep Impact, but you're not writing dissertations over it. Right. And that's what, and again, it's a summer blockbuster. So, you know, and then Jay Carr from the Boston Globe says Armageddon is big and noisy and stupid and shameless. And it's going <gasps> to be huge at the box office. Ah! <laughs> I like that guy. Yep. <laughs> well, that makes he sense. gets it. He gets it. He does. So the Metacritic. First <laughs> for one. Armageddon. This is for Armageddon. <laughs> Metacritic score 42, user score of 6.2. This one is Grandpa Joe 6191. <laughs> he gives it eight out of 10 stars. And Grandpa Joe says, you know, those original blockbuster movies that have limitless fun and amazing scenes? Well, this space blockbuster Armageddon is on top of the list for this category. <laughs> Grandpa Joe likes it. Nice, Grandpa Thumbs Joe. Up. Go, Grandpa Joe. Um, you know, I love my Metacritic username. So this is, this is a good one for the username too. DJ Toodles, <laughs> 10 out of 10. 
10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10? Perfect film. It's silly, and I'm sure the science is completely wrong, but damn if this isn't one of the best films ever made. I must have seen this film at least 30 times, and I get something in my eye every time. Easily (laughs) one of my favorite movies of all time. I love the acting, the emotion, the humor, and the characters. A classic apocalyptic disaster movie without equal. Wow. Wow. So DJ Toodles loved it. That is right. a glowing review. Yes, yeah. yes. And remember too, I'm going to be reading these reviews. There's, there's these reviews and the next reviews. One of these reviews is our own Steve Walter. So only one. Only well, one of each. I put one. Okay, of each. one of each. All right. But I put a bunch more reviews so I could hide it. <laughs> Metacritic. This is Boomer Reviewer nine out of ten. <laughs> Wait, we have two, two old people. Boomer review, 9 out of 10. Wow. Special effects, 10. Music, 10. Acting, 7. First (laughs) off, I have to say I love Bruce Willis. I will watch anything he is in. The premise of the movie is simple. An asteroid is going to hit the Earth, and Bruce and his team have to fly into space to drill a hole into the rock and blow it up. The heart and soul of the movie is based on the relationship between Bruce's character and stupid Ben Affleck. He calls him Ben Affleck. This is true. and Bruce's daughter, Liv Tyler. Ben Affleck could go to my granddaughter's elementary school and see better acting. It's because of him that this emotional movie with Bruce Willis carrying the load is not a Hollywood classic. Also, Steve Buscemi is funny, so that helps. That's my vote for Steve. All right, well, this is Josh M, and he's one out of 10. My gosh, I hated this movie. Number three on my worst movies of all time. Wow. This plot is the stupid. <laughs> this plot is the stupidest and is so predictable. What I hated most was the constant barrage of obstacles the characters take. You might be saying, "Oh, quote, oh, but you need conflict for good plot." But there is literally no second where a problem occur- doesn't occur in this movie. Oh no, the Russian dude is mad at us. Three seconds later, oh no, the handle on something I have no idea broke. Oh no, we have to save Ben Affleck. Oh no, <laughs> the nuke is on. Oh no. <laughs> Movie, the military is evil. So he did not like. Okay, sorry, that might be Steve. (laughs) He did not like, he did not like um, all the conflict that was happening in this movie. So again, not inaccurate. Not inaccurate. So he knows what he's talking about. Of those four, Grandpa Joe 6191, DJ Toodles, Boomer Review, or Josh M, which one of those do you believe is our own Steve? I was, I'm, I'm it's going to be towards, Boomer or Josh. I'm leaning towards Josh M. Is, I, is Steve clever enough to, to come up with a generic name to throw us off? Yes, I actually think that that's the key because he was trying, I think he too no over one it last time. Josh M. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to go Josh M. What's your final answer? I'm going Josh M. Josh. Jim? Um, Boomer reviewer. Boomer reviewer. And it was, it was a little was more understated. Instinct. I will say, when I was I, reading I, it, it's a little more understated, so it was a little harder. And I purposely yeah, picked out Josh M to like. Uh, That's awesome. I worked really that. hard. You I did. I was my before. first instinct, but Josh threw me. Yeah. I cannot believe Josh M is a real review. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. It's really, it's really up to him to find ones that will that will be even more ludicrous than what I wrote. Yeah, I, I found That's Josh awesome. M, and I'm like, I thought the giveaway was that they were so positive on Bruce Willis. I was like, that has got to be. Yeah, I love Bruce Willis. Okay, you ready for Deep Impact? Oh yes, yeah. I am. Steve is. The audience score for Deep Impact. I think we've talked about this already. The audience score was 43 on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm sorry, 
45 and the audience score was 43. So much worse on the audience score for this one. Uh, Armageddon was 75. Critic Paul Clinton from CNN.com says, the filmmakers want us to care about all these people, but we really never get to know them. And there is no sense of impeding doom except when Leone starts chugging martinis. Damn, I wish I had written that one. (laughs) (laughs) Critic Michael O'Sullivan from the Washington Post says, when all is said and done, it's precisely such lackluster imitation of real life that presents this lightweight melodrama from leaving any deep or lasting impact of its own. (gasps) Love that that phrase, lightweight melodrama. That's really good. All right, the Metacritic reviews. Metacritic score of 40 and the user score of 5.7. So again, less than... So Metacritic Review, this is Lazy Sunday, 1975, uh, gives, <laughs> gives it one out of 10 stars. This movie was awful. It's the same plot as Armageddon, but instead of making it exciting, this director chose to make it so boring. <laughs> Tina Leone is pretty, but couldn't act herself out of a paper bag. And while the special effects were great at the end, they all went by too fast. It's like, was that a car or a cat I saw? Who knows? <laughs> it all went by so quick and you couldn't even enjoy them. Characters were bland, and I didn't care if they lived or died. Also, was about 15 minutes too long. <laughs> 15? Just 15. Just 15 so minutes too long. Only yeah, it was about seven Hardly minutes specific. too long, I thought. Yes. <laughs> seven minutes, 20 seconds too long. All right, Metacritic, uh, that was one out of 10. Uh, this is Mitch Mart. Um, he gave it seven out of 10. And he says, I think this movie is better than Armageddon. It has nearly no stereotype heroes and a humanitarian side. It's too long for the story, but it has a good ending. Yeah, everybody dies. This Metacritic review, this is Big John, 1958. He gives it two out of 10 stars. Watched movie again after 15 years. Bad movie, poor acting, and very predictable and ridiculous script. I know why I haven't seen Tia Leone in movies of note. She did a poor job of acting in this movie. So not a huge Tia Leone fan on this one. So of these reviews, is it... Lazy Sunday, 1975, Mitch Mart, or Big John, 1958. Which one is Steve? I'm going Mitch Mart. I'm going to go Lazy Sunday. The winner is Lazy Sunday. Oh. There's a palindrome in there. Was it a car or a cat I saw? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was, that was, I just have to know, I have to follow my first instinct when it comes yes. to these Steve ones. Because my first instinct was Boomer, and then I'm derailed. Yeah. But Thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you. No, but these were good ones because these were a little more subtle. So it was harder. There wasn't a lot of Metacritic reviews for um, Deep Impact. So that was a little harder to find something exciting. People couldn't even muster up the hate for it. That's how uninspired it made people. Exactly. That's the thing is it's not even bad, like in a way that you can make fun of. It's just forgettable. We made a lot of fun of Red Heat. Like that was fun bad. It was so awful that we were able to sort of goof on it. And that actually made it enjoyable. This one, you it just like dragged like... Like you're stuck in quicksand, you're never gonna get through it. And then it was over, you felt worse. Yep. Yeah, it was a hard watch. I think my my notes progressively just went downhill from what's happening? Why is Tay Leona talking to people? At some point, a half hour into the film, I was trying to dissect the color story around Tealoni's blouse because I there was nothing else to do. I'm like, is, does her blouse <laughs> color mean something? Do you, do you have notes, Amber? Because I can write you a song for Amber's notes. If I figured Ooh. I'll see what I can do. Not tapped out yet, Steve? I mean, all that creative juice. I know. Jeez. Steve has I need to endless it. juice. 
Oh no. So I've heard. Gross. So I've heard. That's gross. <laughs> what are you guys what are you guys thinking about? Well, I whale vomit. I'm thinking oh. whale vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Swimming pool. He has a lot of apple juice in his house. Now, just so you guys know, the largest known potentially hazardous asteroid discovered is only 4.3 miles in diameter. So these in the movie are very unrealistic as far as known science. You're telling me that these movies were not scientifically accurate? Well, for the most part. I mean, like, I'm sure oh. they had a couple of things that were... <laughs> no, they were complete trash on scientific... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, when I was reading about Deep Impact, I had noticed all of the nominations awards that Armageddon got, and I was stunned to see that Deep Impact had five wins and 14 nominations. But then when I did a little deeper dive on that, they were not, they were not Academy Award nominations. It won a Bogey Award in Germany. It won like a Young Stars Award. Who were the Young Oh, Elijah Wood and Lila Sobieski? Maybe who knows that baby that they rescued at the end that they didn't want to rescue. <laughs> the I don't was know. That's the best you know? baby ever. That baby did an awesome job. There were a couple babies in there, a couple babies born during it because there was so much time you could just date, recreate, procreate, all the creates. I mean, when character gets the baby and she's like, "Here, take her." When she's like seventeen, now she's got to take care of this baby. It's like, yeah, what do I do? What do I do? A 17-year-old girl knows how to take care of a baby. They might not be happy about it, but they would know what to do. Even Absolutely. a 17-year-old boy would know what to do. You uh, just feed it and change I the I would never give my son a baby. Never. Yeah, I would, you would never. let, I you would your, let your baby die with you in a tidal wave before you'd give it to Max? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have to look this up, you guys. I have, I have the Razzie winners for uh, 1998. <laughs> Armageddon was nominated for Worst Picture. It did not win. Bruce huh. Willis won for Worst Actor. Really? For Armageddon. And Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler were nominated for Worst Screen Couple, but lost to Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio as twins in Man in the Iron Mask. So there were a couple of uh, negative awards. Oh, Worst Screenplay it was nominated for? This no. is not, Armageddon was not the Worst Screenplay. That's crazy. Between We've the seen- two. We've what was the worst, worst, worst picture that year? What was the Razzie Award for the for the worst, worst picture? It was something called an an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. Oh, I've never heard of that. Mm-mm. But the other nominees were Armageddon, The Avengers, Godzilla, and Spice World. Wait a minute, The Avengers? Oh, okay. Wait, Avengers oh, was that's next? that's the one based on the show. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Was oh, that yeah, the yeah. what that the 1963 porno Avengers version? <laughs> yeah, don't talk that is a classic. Don't you talk bad about that one? You cannot put Armageddon in the same category as Spice World. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. I mean, like that's, again, dumb that's stuff. Ins- about. That's insane. That's insanity. Well, the other movies listed here hold up as bad movies today. Armageddon doesn't necessarily. Spice World? Yeah, the, the Spice Pixar Girls movie? It wasn't that bad. No, but you can't put it against Armageddon oh, in the no. same category of movie as being terrible. You're right. That's true. Ice World wasn't that bad. No, it was okay. <laughs> it's pure shit. Okay, Jim, we get it. Okay, My we get God, it. We didn't, we didn't like it. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> well, well, I think it's pretty. This one was, I think, unanimous. I think we all liked Armageddon better, even though Zach was still 
lukewarm on Armageddon. He still liked it better than Deep It's just, it's more like sort of dumb stuff. Overall, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I'm not surprised that there were nine different writers because like some of the humor was just kind of like dumb. Some stuff was funny and stuff, some stuff landed. Oh, but do you yeah, want to take he, notes? I can write you a song <laughs> to go for notes. That's the okay. only Zach way notes, Zach notes, Zach notes. Well, let me ask you this, Zach. Which did you like better, The Rock or Armageddon? Okay, I haven't seen The Rock in a while. I might go The Rock. Would you not say that the amount of farcical fantasy elements that are made for movie enjoyment versus the cheesiness and one-liners and things that are insane, they were very comparable movies. They're not meant to be 100% serious. You can't. No, no, no. It's summer, not they're summer it's just, popcorn movies, basically, is what they are. Yes. But I think that there's just sort of a douche quality to some of Bay's films. Like, even if they're, I enjoy them overall, like, they just have this undertone of, like, a guy I wouldn't hang out with, I guess. That could be... <laughs> That could be Zach's like meter for how much he loves or hates the movies. How much of a douche meter does the director have to be before he won't hang out with him? So Michael Bay is a 10, right? That's sure. a 10. You're never hanging out with Michael Bay. Would you hang out with, um, you know, a seven, like a seven douche if he was a really... Like a, uh, like a big G? Yeah, like a big G. Sure. Like <laughs> not the greatest movie, but, you know, not as douchey as Michael Bay. How, where, where's your line? Now this is a whole podcast in itself. Man, that's a good question. And who's a one? Spielberg? I bet he's kind of douchey. He's got to be at least a three. How dare I mean, you? No. I don't this is Jim. This is Jim, exactly. by the way. Really just, that's, that, that was not Jim. That was that was Steve. We'd never say that about Steven Of course you wouldn't. I'd really have to sit down and think about it, to be honest. I'm going to make a song. It's going to be called, Who Would Zach Hang Out With? Dushal Meter. Yeah. I bet Walter Hill's like a three. Yeah. You would You would or would not hang out with him? I would hang out with Walter Hill. Oh, you Hill. would, because he's not. He's low douche factor. I mean, this is entirely speculative. Just Pouches. going by what their movies are like. Going by, exactly. Entirely three, based on Three douche applicators. <laughs> Give him. <Yes. laughs> I mean, Michael Bay gets ten douche applicators. You want to hang out with the guy that made Pain and Gain? You know, I, I said no such thing. I plead the fifth here. He likes Pain and Gain. I think it's safe to say that Michael Bay and I probably wouldn't be the best of friends because I have a vagina. Mm, yes. What? And as much as you'd think vaginas and douches go together, not so much. <laughs> not <in this> sense. <laughs> Oh, what I see. Talking about. Yeah, right you see what I did there, Zach? Do you see? Yeah, I had to you think about take it. The douche, and you have to put it up the vagina. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been a great podcast. We love you all. Mom and Dad, please <laughs> pause this five seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Daft Punk. Check out Zach's other podcasts, So Fast, So Furious, and Debut Review. And don't forget to rock out with him on his YouTube show, Metal School. Woohoo! If you haven't tuned in to see the new Netflix true crime docuseries, Heist, you really should. It's so good. And our own Steve Walter did all the amazing Foley, so you know you're going to feel like you were there in the room when all this action is happening. I've seen all six episodes. They are absolutely fantastic. You can see Jim's handiwork everywhere. Every time you spot that new summer Lexus campaign, mm-mm-mm, man, I want a Lexus. Ah, oh, I fell for it again. Jim... As for me, you can still see season one episodes of Stillwater on Apple TV, Emmy-nominated, Peabody-winning, 
really just a lovely property. Check it out, guys. You can also see season one episodes of Housebroken that I directed, airing on Monday nights on Fox, starring Lisa Kudrow. You can check out some of my guest appearances on the Keith Lowell Jensen show, starring Keith Lowell Jensen. He takes care of all your Keith Lowell Jensen needs. I had a lovely chat with host Marilyn Hubbard on Film Addicts. You can find that everywhere you find all your favorite podcasts. I also had a great chat with Ryan and Mark on Geezers of the Game. Check them out for all your gaming tabletop needs. These guys are top-notch in what they do. Well, thank you so much, guys. Have a great night. Sound effects courtesy of the Soundly app. Go to GetSoundly.com for your complete sound effect platform. Intro and outro music for this episode is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. Hear more like this on Incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and be sure to rate us on iTunes and give us a review if you feel like it. Shoot us an email at filmfightpodcast at gmail.com if there's a matchup you'd like to see. And that's it for this week. Catch us next time for another episode of the Film Fight Podcast.